All right. Well, you know, we've talked about the concept of Chicharito joining LA Galaxy. It's very much a reality, and it was really cool to hear him with Alexi Lawless on his podcast, State of the Union podcast, which adds a nice little video element to things, but what a bright-eyed, cool guy that's going to really help build what should be an enduring rivalry that even grows deeper because Galaxy, now with Chicharito, can match Carlos Vela and LAFC in a way that maybe Zlatan could never have. You know, you're right. As a as a marketing thing, as a building community thing, as a excitement in the stadium thing, I think Chicharito is an amazing move. A huge fan of Chicharito. Huge fan. Think he thinks he's contributed a lot to the Mexican national team. He has a massive following. We have to be honest though, he's not the player that Zlatan was. I mean, Zlatan left and is now at AC Milan and is made a impact already. I love Javier Hernandez, but if you put him on a top team and a top European club, he's not going to make a major impact. I mean, he proved that at Sevilla. But I think the MLS is going to be a perfect fit for him. I think he has the right mindset for it. And like you said, Vela versus Hernandez, I mean, that's MLS finally has something worth watching. Well, you know who he could help these days and right this minute, as a matter of fact, West Ham. Anyway, got a lot to talk about, got a lot of things to get with now as we look at Liga MX after the uh, match day three action as we head into match day four action this coming weekend, plus a bit of Ericsson talk and a much more reserved discussion about the Premier League as Liverpool thoroughly runs away with the whole thing. But uh, that's a big show here on Sound System FC. Let's do it. Yes, welcome into Sound System FC, Lawrence Scott with Bo Byerly, and we'll get to the Christian Eriksen news because uh, that's something that we knew would eventually happen. The the days at Tottenham were not to maybe have drawn on even this long, but uh, now they're new pastures. But I was very, very happy to see one key thing this past match day three in Liga MX, and that is Nakaxa rallying. And Quiroga setting up what was a beautiful equalizer that put those dogs of San Luis down where they belong. Well, I mean, look, I know you hate Atletico, but they're really proving to be a pretty good team. Uh, And the Nacoxa game kind of proved it. I mean, the goal at the end by Alvarez, you know, finding that sliver of space. I mean, that was a great goal. That was an exciting game. But, you know... uh, Atletico San Luis is not a is not a bad team, you know, and uh, they play a pretty exciting brand of soccer. And I don't know about that offsides call, Lawrence. I know you probably have your own opinion about it, but uh, no, I mean it was a it was a great it was a great match this weekend. There were a couple of great matches, uh, and and that one right there proves that you know teams that were you know at the top of the table, bottom of the table, it doesn't matter. Um, Every game in Liga MX is going to be competitive because of the season and because of the fact that the team that was really terrible, Veracruz, has now been sent to, I I don't even know. I mean, they're not even like playing soccer anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, do they exist as a franchise? I mean, they're they're not in the Asensio. No, I think think they're a wrap. But an Asensio team that I think, a former Asensio team that I think is doing amazing, I, dude, FC Juarez. That victory over Morelia, oh, yeah. I mean, look, 
two questionable calls maybe led to those penalty kicks. I mean, the first one was definitely a penalty. The second one for the handball, I mean, it's not my favorite call, but I've also said before on this show that handballs are black and white, and we just have to let them be called black and white. But, I mean, they were the better team. I mean, Lawrence, are you surprised how good Juarez is? I think they're running a lot of momentum, and and I feel like they at home – do get a bit of a lift from their crowd, whereas in some of these venues, I, I don't sense that during the Clausura phase that isn't the tournament phase, the uh, Little League part of it. I mean, I, I will say this, too. There's a, a squad that absolutely had to respond or it was going to get really ugly for their uh, technical director, and that's Cruz Azul, who surprisingly beat Santos in the same way that uh, Juarez beat Morelia, a uh, three-to-nothing outcome, and... That was surprising. I didn't expect Santos to uh, get rolled over like that at Azteca Stadium, but I, I didn't expect it. But but no one there for Cruz Azul, I guess, is my point with what I feel like at Juarez. I mean, a 17,000-plus crowd, you feel it. Uh, Cruz Azul walking into Azteca Stadium with, you know, like 13,000 people there. It's like you know, they needed to respond for themselves, not what the crowd brought them. Well, I mean, first of all, okay, uh, quick aside, you know, Juarez is a great location to have a team because of the fact that you have one of the largest cities in Mexico, plus you have El Paso. I mean, you're talking millions of people who want soccer, and now they have it. And so it's 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 a great thing for the community to to come see, especially when the team is doing as well as they are. But Cruz Azul, man, in that game, they looked like they were shot out of a cannon. It, it was incredible to see how quickly they got going. And uh, Hernandez's Galasso off the uh, off the volley. I mean, those are the kind of plays that you know you see. You know, I mean, that's just the kind of plays that big time soccer players make. But you know, that goal right there just kind of epitomized the game for me. I mean, Santos had opportunities. I mean, you watch that game close, and you know, it was it didn't look like a three a three nil game, as they say in most soccer talk mm-hmm. uh it didn't look like a 3-0 game it didn't look like the beat down that it does on the score sheet but you're right Cruz Azul little bit of a shaky system going on there questions with management questions with upper management questions with how the team is being run well you know as I tell a lot of people, winning fixes a lot of things. And maybe this win will fix some of Cruz Azul's problems. The, the Pumas-Monterey game, I mean, you, we always talk about the tears of Mohamed. But, God, Monterey, to me, still looks so flat. Like, they didn't get the memo that there's only, like, 15 games left. You know, I, I don't know what you saw, but that's kind of what I saw. I mean, uh, you now, I mean, Pumas came out and just, created chances they were the better team and and you know there were some other opportunities there that game could have been even worse for monterey yeah well sadly monterey got the memo at the end of the apertura if you follow what i'm saying uh the match <laughs> that's a tigress joke <laughs> yes this is so fun let's let's, let's keep getting more and more esoteric as time goes on but uh all right the dreaded san luis uh hosting chivas um this friday what do you smell here you know, I still think that Chivas is putting it together. You know, they're they're looking like a much better team than they were last season. That's what people expect. Um, Atletico San Luis, if they can come out with a win, 
if I would have looked at this game, first of all, if you look at this game four months ago, you're like, well, both of these teams are hot trash. Um, that's uh, not the case anymore. I think either team wins, and this is a big win for either team because both teams are playing pretty well. And and I I know that Guadalajara isn't sleeping on any of their games right now because at this point, uh, much like Cruz Azul is now a couple of months ago, not that they had questions about the upper management at Chivas, but the fans demanded something. And and I think Guadalajara is starting to put it together. Uh, so that's that's going to be a close match. Um, I'd love to make a prediction. Uh, you know, I feel like that that Guadalajara is the stronger team, but you know, at this point, I really hate betting against Atletico San Luis. I feel like they're going to be in just about every game. So what I'll be looking at most stringently with great interest, and uh, it's something that uh, is becoming near and dear to me, is the ability to check out ESPN Deportes games that are telecast. And uh, America will be hosting FC Juarez on what is that? Saturday, the the first of February. We're already into a new yeah. month, Bo. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be a good game because we've been talking about FC Juarez, and I think that that's gonna be kind of a, a good yardstick to see. Well, I guess it'd be a meter stick, right? Because it's not. <laughs> it's not <laughs> um, t- to see really where Juarez is as a team because now they're not going to get to play at home, where we've seen them be dominant. Um, but you know, when you look at the table, I mean, you got Pumas, you got the Kings of Leon. Mm. Guadalajara, Atletico, San Luis. I mean, you could literally, if you look at the table and you turn it upside down and you were like, oh, Morelia's in second place and Monterey's in third and Santos is in fourth, you'd be like, yeah, that's probably about right. Well, that's actually the second, third, and fourth team from the bottom. You know, the top teams, you know, Querétaro, that's a surprise to me. Guadalajara, I knew they were going to be strong, but, uh, you know, some of these teams, and I say this over and over and over again. We're three games in. Next week we'll be four games in. You know, that's that's a pretty good chunk of this short season that they play in Liga MX. And if you're jumping out and getting seven points in the first three games like uh, Pumas is, you're looking pretty good for that final eight. Uh, and some of these other teams got to get it together, man. Pachuca, they have to start winning. If they don't start winning next weekend, then – you know, forget about it. They're no. they're they're not going to make any noise. It has not been pretty thus far for the Fred Grandies. I, I, I tell you, I, I have not been impressed. And uh, the other thing that you know we kind of kind of keep our eye on here too is is Puebla because you know they've got a pretty rough schedule of the next matter of days. Uh, you know, Nacaxa is no pushover, and then taking on America it could get ugly fast for Puebla. It could. It could, but, you know, also there's a certain part of the game that is a rhythm. And I think that's what's interesting about soccer is is that there's a there seems to be a balance in where, you know, when you look at the NBA, you know, you talk about players sitting out or teams getting frustrated because they're playing too many games. When you're a team like Liverpool, who's involved in 900 different cups and clashes and whatever they want to call them, then... You know, you have this idea that, like, you know, you have to let the B team play. But I kind of feel like the way that Liga MX's schedule is laid out and the fact that while they do do a Champions League-type situation with the MLS, it's not a huge burden on them, that they have the nice balance of having that rhythm. And maybe Puebla playing all those games in a fairly succinct amount of time 
you know, you got to remember most teams in Liga MX are in central Mexico. We're not talking 20 hour flights or, or 20 hour drives, you know, 20 hour flight would be to Dubai, but some of those teams, Monterey had to deal with that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a one to two hour flight, a two hour bus ride. I mean, these teams are going to be fresh, ready to play. And I think the rhythm and the balance of the game is going to help them. However, Lawrence, we go to the other side of the pond where I think the rhythm and balance is getting a little bit off. And interestingly enough, Tottenham finally uh, got rid of, I, I hate to call Christian Eriksen dead weight, but I still haven't figured out what he's done the last three months except for waiting on a transfer, and, and it finally happened. Yeah, I mean, his ability to create offset pieces is pretty impressive, and they'll miss that, I, I will say. Uh, oh, but- yeah. Oh, they'll totally miss that, but they've missed it for the last three months. I mean, he's <laughs> he hasn't been engaged. I, I give you that. But I'm excited about this Inter Milan move because I really feel like that that's kind of what Inter was missing. You know, somebody like Christian Eriksen, I mean, he goes to Madrid. That's what a lot of people were thinking he was going to go to Madrid. And I could see that because Madrid is always a great place for anybody to land. But, God, he'd just be just another guy on that team. But I think with Inter, as both a, a, a creator and somebody who can score goals in what is a very defensive-heavy league, I really like the idea of Christian Eriksen going to the center Milan team. And I think it takes some pressure off of Lukaku, who I don't think does well under pressure. I think he's an outstanding soccer player, but he needs help. He's not Zlatan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's not one of these guys who can just take over a team no matter how crappy they are. Just get the ball within 10 yards of me and I'll score. Lukaku needs help, and he's getting it. With Erickson. And I think this may be the thing that can turn them around. Um, not that they're doing terrible, but you know, when it comes to uh, Syria, the, the goal is to actually win Syria. And uh, I, I feel like this is a strong move by Inter Milan. I think, I think that uh, it's going to quickly make waves. And, you know, Inter's only three points away from the top spot from Juventus. So. I don't know, man. How quickly do you think this makes an impact, Lawrence? And do you think this is the piece of the puzzle they need to be number one in Syria? It helps a lot. It does. And your point about somebody to help enable and give great service, quality, and fitness quality. to <laughs> Romelu Lukaku, that that does help. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm a bit distracted uh, just right now with all of what's going on with the FA Cup plus the Carabao Cup and then trying to keep my eye on if at all within all of this and, you know, games getting you know, so compact with what Liverpool's having to do if they're going to slip. They're, they're, they're not going to slip. Um at West Ham, uh, they, they, you know, the Liverpool train keeps rolling. And uh, then the question just becomes, well, I, th- we can't, I can't even do it again. We, we do this a lot on the show when and if they will lose. I mean, the amount of Premier League games they've won straight is now becoming kind of ridiculous. And the amount of games they've won in London is becoming kind of ridiculous. It's almost like it's almost like when they lose, like we won't even care. It's just, it's so, it's so numbing. It's so mind numbing with the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup and the, but I mean, do the FA Cup and Carabao Cup really, do they really matter when the Premier League is such a, a, a foregone conclusion 
I mean, are these things automatically asterisked in our well, mind? Are we automatically Aston like Villa, who's going to be in the finals of the Carabao Cup? That that helps substantiate yeah, for Dean Smith that they're terrible. running a program. They're, yeah, sure, but Jack Grealish has you know a bit of charm, and you know, Dean Smith needs something. Needs a, I mean, the, you know, for a while, United were excited about a Carabao Cup trophy. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, okay, so great, so basically. Premier League is decided for the next year, right? Liverpool will dominate, uh, and Man City will uh, Man City Man City will be you know there in in second place and still be a dominant team. And then all these other teams are hoping to grab uh, cups that you know that the other teams could care less about. To you know. I don't know. I mean, well, yeah, and here we are, basically at the end of the show, going through the uh, you know the crystal ball bow, and it seems like of all the things you just painted, the one that'll probably be happening is uh, Pep will be leading Juventus as the outgrowth of all of the shift. Yeah, I mean, I could, I, I definitely see that. I mean, when you look at the table in the Premier League, if you watch the Premier League like it's a soap opera and less like it's a uh, athletic competition. Then you find some interest in the fact that, you know, Man City uh, is two. They're going to be two. They're not going to be one. Man United, we talked about last week. Then after we talk about it, they, oh, my God, what a terrible performance. But I don't think anything we said last week changes. I don't think Man United is a bad team. They still sit in fifth place. Right behind them in sixth place is Tottenham. I mean, these teams aren't. 13th and 14th, they're not 17th, they're 5th and 6th. Chelsea's right there not doing great in 4th. You know, I guess you could watch it for all these other little storylines that you may find interesting. So, you know, it's still the Premier League, it's still the big money league, but I'm more interested now in what Inter Milan does with Christian Eriksen. Uh, and honestly, I'm excited about the MLS season coming around because, hey, we have Chicharito, we have a new bright shiny object and we have inner Miami and you know, we have all these things happening in the MLS. It's like, uh, okay, the quality of soccer isn't to the level of the premier league, but the storylines are at least becoming a little bit more palatable than, you know, which, you know, which coach will be chastised for finishing fifth out of 20, you know, we're <laughs> I'd rather chastised. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, I, you know, oh my God! You know, Mourinho is a joke. Uh, you know, uh, Gunner is gone because he's now lost some game that people forgot who he even lost to. But you know, now they're in fifth, which is higher than they were last year. I mean, it's just like it's it's too much. I never thought I'd say this, but I can't wait for MLS to start so I can watch, <laughs> so I can actually watch soccer in a competitive league. Well. Let's bring things full circle because now Chicharito will make things very, very excited. That's where we began, and it's where we will end. Like a Jurgen Klopp fist pump to the uh, Spy on Cop supporters. Let's just jam on out of here. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, it always comes back to Klopp, sadly. It does. It does. Have yourself... A great week. Looking forward to League MX Match Day 4. And uh, I, too, am looking forward to seeing some MLS action this coming season. And uh, I, I, I will, this year, make a better effort to get out to Avaya Stadium and catch those quakes in live action where the sun is setting, the planes are landing, 
the largest outdoor bar in North America is uh, behind one of the goals, and uh, it's a really? beautiful setting where, I will tell you, uh, the MLS All-Star game a couple of years ago, it was, it was very special to see Arsenal uh, taking on the MLS All-Stars at Avaya Stadium. It was really nice. Speaking of that, I was actually at uh, LAFC at the Mecca California Stadium yesterday, and uh, it is a really nice facility. And, oh, heck yeah. You know, they, they already have the signage out for the All-Star game. MLS is going to be good this year. It's going to be good this year. I feel like there's enough storylines. Uh, the quality of play is still, we'll see. Maybe somebody will learn how to play defense. But at least they figured out the offense, and they figured out the fan experience. So that's that's a good start. But, yeah, Lawrence, let's, uh, let's see what happens. Liga MX going to be another exciting weekend, and we'll break it all down on the next episode of Sound System FC. Sound System FC.